Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome, one and all, to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism, and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of these magnificent manticore manglers. Magnificent manticore manglers, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. Hi, I'm Harry, and I play Tok, a six foot eight imposing automaton. My fact this is an elven lament that Tok learnt two winters ago in Lanasil by a person named Aurora. I remember stories of a glorious civilization of cities with spires that reached the sun, of green forests and vast seas, of people with myths of Elastari everlasting, of children who saw in the embers of dying trees the destiny of their race, and they gazed into the abyss of fate with no fear. They say our people have no present, only a past filled with horror, and a future they can only dream of. Well, hang on a second. So that was amazing, as usual. But you learned it two summers ago, I think you said, from someone called Aurora. Indeed. Now, uh, Augustus, I guess, can't question talk in the facts section of the podcast. Is this meant to be a reference to Aurora, Augustus's sister? Well, I can't tell you that. So obviously, talk has no idea who your sister is. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay, so... We do know these facts. I pocket that fact and later jump out at Tok in the middle of the night, eyes bloodshot, veins standing out from my neck in a frantic Aurora-related panic. Did anyone else think just for a second there that Harry was going to do it in Elven? I did. There's, there's always that danger. He does speak Elvish, Doc, but, uh, but I don't. So, uh, yeah. Elvish, Elvish. Actually, I bet you there's some kind of like Google Translate thing for Elvish. Oh, yeah. And it, it wouldn't be past you to try and one-up Tolkien. <laughs> we've always had it in for Tolkien hello I am Dave and I play Benny Quez my fact today is a little more about Benny's upbringing he was born and raised in an orphanage the kind of orphanage system within Alphon is in some way emblematic of how the empire does things to an extent so the orphanage there's a network of orphanages that are sort of state sanctioned The orphanage is paid for every child that they take in, uh, and essentially they form a free labour force for uh, menial tasks that support the empire's goals. So kind of like manufacturing and the orphanage network are paid at a very low rate for the the output that the orphans manage to deliver. And it also helps to create a compliant adult workforce with no expectations or ambitions once they've kind of graduated from within the system. But of course, Benny wasn't really up for the no expectations or ambitions and they weren't quite able to beat that spark out of him in the same way. They did many of the children that went through the system is that like a very similar place that we found the uh, the stormlord in then um or was that particularly brutal i think the place where we found the stormlord was maybe a particularly brutal example but i guess they're sort of almost sort of like cousins in terms of their relationship so where where's benny on his on his tithe repayments oh benny has a fake tithe document saying he's paid it all off um <laughs> which he had forged ah wonderful <laughs> You know, when there's like a a reciprocal relationship, state and orphanage network. So the people who run them are making a decent amount of money and the empire are getting very cheap labor and the children are getting absolutely nothing. I I know the word. Evil. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) It's Benny's fake tithe document in the name of McLovin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Naturally it is. Of course it is. Can we make that canon, please, Dom? Go. (laughs) McLovin. (laughs) Hi, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And today, given the theme that we're currently on being deeply sad, I thought I'd continue it. So Vander, as will surprise absolutely no one, has many nemeses, but it's time we named one. Where Vander was tortured, his terrible suffering was administrated by a particular person. That person has already come up once uh, in the telling of this tale, and their name is Joseph. How many nemeses does Vander have? Mm, difficult to say. Definitely 
more than more than the normal person has. <laughs> well, it's the first time I've heard the plural for nemesis. So yeah, it feels I like mean... a, a word that can't really have a plural because it sort of implies a ultimate enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a top foe. <laughs> <laughs> I am your nemesis. You're like, get in line. You're one of the nemeses. <laughs> and nothing worse than being someone's nemesis only to find out that you're actually a minor villain in context to the other nemeses they have. <laughs> yeah, that does sound weirdly depressing. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this is all I wanted. <laughs> yep. I've devoted my entire life to ruining yours. <laughs> you call this a marriage? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Alex and I'm playing Augustus and... Last week, Benny challenged Augustus, saying Augustus wanted to make himself king of a gigantic kingdom. Augustus brushed this off, but since then he started to worry. What if he does want to be king? What would that say about him, about his actions, and about his oath? The idea of breaking the oath fills him with dread, but the vision of a vacant throne now lingers in the corners of his mind. Ooh, that is a brilliant fact. Oh, when you're under the jackboot of King Augustus, you may regret these words. Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is that I was right. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it does seem like that. Is that what you always hear? <laughs> Do we get to know where Augustus stands on that? Like, how close he is to, I want to be king, compared to fulfill the oath? Someone has suggested something. He thought he had pure intentions, but someone has challenged his intentions, and he's kind of like, oh, maybe I... I don't know. Maybe I do. You know, maybe my my heart isn't as pure as I thought it was. I don't think he's suddenly got a maniacal desire to be king, but he's got a, you know, having had the idea presented to him, he's somewhat disconcerted to find that he doesn't entirely dismiss or hate it. I think that is the backstory to how maniacal desires begin. I'll I'll send over the link to the uh, Oath of Conquest then, shall I? (laughs) Or Oathbreaker. Curiously, I already have that tattooed on my chest. (laughs) as a wise man said there are always two explanations for any action the honorable and good reason and the real reason to the gates of the city the dead we go in the next chapter of dice company Wrapped in a cavern which houses the dwarven city of the dead, you have made your way on a stagecoach on rails to the gates of the central city. There you found the manticore you'd spotted at the entrance and slayed it, revealing its now parentless child, which was quickly swallowed, along with Bellerathon, by an umberhulk. Its chitinous form now standing before you, its four eyes twisting and rotating in a mesmerizing manner. Roll initiative. Oh, sweet Jesus. Uh, I was yeah. thinking we might get to decide whether or not we run away, but apparently not. You can run away on your turn, that's not a problem. <laughs> I choose to run away. On my turn, anyway. <laughs> 22 for Tok. Uh, 17 for Vander. 11 for Benny. 5 for Augustus. Always last on initiative. Top of the round with Tok. Uh, this is one time where I really didn't want to be first. <laughs> it's too far away to attack, isn't it, in one... Turn. Okay, right. Uh, Tok is going to again take out uh, several pebbles from a pouch and coat them in a um, oil from a small vial. Pass one to Tick, and uh, he himself is going to take one and he's going to just sort of hold it on his palm and give it a little flick with a finger, and then it's going to shoot across towards the Umber Hulk as if it had been thrown by a star pitcher. Fantastic. Please roll to hit your biscuit pebble again. Tok gets a nine, which I assume is probably not going to hit. Nope. But Tick is much better with these things, and he gets a um, a 23. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Eight damage. Tell you the story? No? The <laughs> the two automatons take out the, the wonderful pebbles once again, both flick them like they're playing diddlywinks. Both actually hit the creature, but Tok bounces off doing no damage, but Tick finds a way through the thick hide of the creature causing some damage. Uh, they will also move to stand at the front to protect the rest of the party, drawing swords. The creature's turn, the Umber Hulk. It looks a little bit confused and annoyed that it's been targeted, and it immediately dives into the ground, disappearing from view. Fine, lads, it's gone. 
I mean, there's a strong case for being off immediately, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're in, we're essentially in the plot line of Tremors now, aren't we? How do they win that in the end? Get on boulders and throw dynamite. Anyone got any dynamite? Well, we do have some dynamite, but I I'm not sure that this is going to end up as the storyline of Tremors. People survive that. <laughs> That's the problem with our, with our interpretation. Vander. Okay, Vander is genuinely upset that Bellerophon has been swallowed. He takes a step forward and even though the beast has disappeared, he says in a dangerous tone under his breath, you're going to pay for that. And he closes his fist suddenly. I cast Dragon's Breath. So Bellerathon from inside the gut of the Umberhulk is going to breathe a dragon-like flame out of the creature effectively while it's underground, no less. That's, that is it. And obviously in this case, I choose that to be acid. I like it. Um, it's from memory that is dexterity saving throw to avoid full damage. That is technically correct, though you'd have to be very dexterous to avoid something that's inside you. Tough, tough for me to argue that a dexterity saving throw would work if it's coming from inside. So please roll for damage. Uh, so that's 3d6. Oh, a total of nine. Vanda, you squeeze your hand and tock 10 feet in front of you. You see a sudden mound of dirt kind of just go up into the air as <laughs> green acid begins to kind of spill out from a little gap that's created there. This is so Tremors. <laughs> I take it back. We are in the plot line of Tremors. So I'm going to move. The collapsed machinery is what I was going to go for because it's very close. Bandit moves to the north and clambers up onto a collapsed building, getting him away from the ground. Quick check on my force powers. Benny, did you feel anything? Even a slight tremor, an urge to jump onto that piece of rock? <laughs> I mean, I have got an urge to jump onto that piece of rock, but I don't know if it's related to anything you've done. Oh, I think, <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> As Vander braves, bravely runs away, does he shout something like, let me know how you get on, lads? <laughs> <laughs> no, he does not. He's just lost Bellerophon. He's in mourning. Benny. I think taking Vander's prompt, I'm going to move to higher ground. Brave Sir Robin. I'm going to say, what's the, what's the plan, everyone? Should we get out of here? I think we should move towards the coach, trying to spend as little time on the ground as possible. I would find this to be acceptable. Yeah, I'm on board. Is this like American politics where I can then ask for some of Harry's time to say something further? I don't have anything, but <laughs> Is that American not. politics? Because that seems like... <laughs> A never-ending filibuster that is Vanda Finnick. <laughs> I am then going to use my dash action to get over to Vanda. I would say you get a playful leap from Valerifon, but you don't. Betty sprints to the east and joins Vanda on the collapsed building. The, the stagecoach is to the east, isn't it? Yeah, if you can get to the edge of the map, you'll be you can get to the uh, stagecoach. <laughs> Note the if. <laughs> get to the chopper. Yeah. Augustus. Augustus is going to head to the east. I guess there's not really anything else to do. I'm not in range of anything I can get on top of, and I don't think I can help Tick and Top by staying behind. So brave, brave, Sir Augustus. There's no, there's no enemy to run away from. There's no enemy here. Apart from the one that's about to leap up out of the ground and eat Benny and Vander in one bite. Uh, well, I think they, they have run to uh, uh, safety a little bit more than... Uh... What I like is that Tog and Tick move forward and everyone else sprints back. Yes. Didn't go unnoticed there. <laughs> Didn't go unnoticed. What a team. We can't go forward. There's no forward or back. I mean, we, we know that there was a large, like, rumbling underground like there, so... <laughs> uh, back to the top of the round with Tock and Tick. <laughs> I would argue that what's happened here is a direct divide between those who have and haven't seen Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to... I can't just stand out here in the middle of nowhere. Okay, Tock's going to sprint back. As we're retreating, we've got to do it properly. The two automatons, realising that the rest of the party are heading east, turn tail and at pretty high speed begin to make their way back towards the stagecoach. And now, the creature. Oh, so how, how far away is the stagecoach from us at the edge of the map? Can, can we like be ready to leap onto it? If you can get one square off of the map, you can get onto it. Why did I walk forwards? Okay, Tok is literally like ready to leap onto that stagecoach, assuming that Vander is going to get the horses ready. From beneath the ground, you see the Umberhulk burst up. Acid kind of pouring out of his long mandibles and he looks in terrible shape. There's even a hole in his stomach where more acid is pouring out. And he sees everyone sprinting east and begins to give chase. His 
his lolloping body moving at high speed as he dashes towards Tock and Tick. He is right on your heels. Vander. Wish me luck, guys. Vander clambers down from his point on the rocks, moves in the wrong direction, so out into the open, and turning to the creature, says, Over here! And then taps his cane on the ground. I want to hold an action. At what point will you do the action? Assuming that I have got hit the creature's attention and it moves into range to hurt me, that's when I want to use the action. Benny. Benny looks absolutely baffled by this madness, but now feels like running away is no longer an option. So clambers a little bit higher up this building and takes a shot. Gets a red flare out and runs into the toilets. Knocks an arrow and takes a shot. Take the shot. Uh, 12. Is a miss. Even with the higher ground, the shot flies under the arm of the rampaging Umber Hulk. It's about the size of a, like a barn door, right? I'm not sure if I was being chased by an Umber Hulk and my team decided <laughs> to actually help me, I'd be throwing shade at them for missing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what our plan is anymore. That's a, that's a smart tactical move because it makes me look empathetic and caring, but has not drawn the Umber Hulk's attention, so it's not going to be you in danger. Yeah. <laughs> and actually moved you further away from the danger. It's a genius move. You're far away and now it knows you can't shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I hide up here? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, there's, there's kind of crumbling architecture. Yeah, you can easily I'll hide. A, I'll have a little hide. The rest of you, Benny, see Benny just disappear from view. Save yourselves. Got a holiday somewhere? <laughs> Augustus. Uh, now, with the Umber Hulk going towards Tock and Tick, can I gain any advantage from going behind it? Because it's not engaged, I can't do that. No, unfortunately not. But if you if you engaged it that on the other side, then Tock and Tick would get advantage if we if we chose to attack it rather than run away. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just enjoying Charlie's expressions. <laughs> Peanut gallery. Yep, roll to hit. <laughs> oh, fuck. I roll an eight. A natural three. You you completely miss the Umber Hulk. Mm, almost overbalance. Explain what's happening, please, Augustus. Uh, I have bravely skirted round behind the creature, but I was unaware of its armor-plated butt. So when I swung the mighty flaming rapier, which is not currently lit up due to technical issues, it didn't do any damage. What is it, a McDonald's milkshake machine? I I just want to jump in here as the DM and just say this is now my favorite combat of all time. You, This is the most D&D combat you guys have ever been involved with, and I love it. Top of the round with Tuck. Talk mid retreat back to the uh, to the coach. Suddenly realised the team has, for some reason, randomly decided to engage the creature rather than the plan we all agreed on. Talk and Tick will will turn by the side of the uh, the building. The other characters are, are cowering behind and will re-engage to try and help Augustus whilst biting back a um, description of the uh, metallurgical disaster that would be setting a rapier blade on fire. With their swords, they are going to both attack the Umberhonk. Tok, can I have a DC 15 charisma saving throw, if you please? Famously charismatic automatons. Yeah, I was going to say, what what are we going for here? I think they're very definitely going to use my inspiration on this. We're in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. Yeah, Tok is going to gonna really dig deep to help his friend Augustus, who, who clearly is completely outmatched by this thing. We'll see about that. Yeah! Okay, so um, Tok... Uh, rolls oh. a natural 20, which gives me a result of 19. <laughs> it's a success. Uh, so you may continue with your turn. Oh, yeah. Attacking at advantage, thanks to Augustus. Um, Finally, someone weighs in and thanks Augustus. Well, you can't fault his uh, courage, can you? Uh, charging at a giant gorilla insect. Apparently, this is how you win a throne. <laughs> Tok gets a 22 to hit. Ooh, is a hit. He's rolled for damage. That is a nine uh, damage from Tok. Tick, however, is is a little bit confused uh, in his attacking, and uh, he rolls only a 14. Which does not hit. Tok draws his sword and is able to target the hole created by Bellerathon's dragon breath and just stabs it right in there. And you see the creature kind of move in a really unnatural way, obviously suffering from the pain of the attack. And now the Umber Hulk's turn. Uh, why do it? I feel it's going to attack me. Well, I mean, you're the only one to have hit it, so... Cursed by competence in the game as in life. So we're going to start with a claw attack. Tick is going to use his protection reaction to uh, to defend with the shield and force disadvantage on this attack. 
14. Uh, bounces off the shield. Uh, plus 8. Oh, well, I mean, that might be different. It goes straight through the shield like butter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 22. 22. Okay, so um, as as Tick moves to uh, to protect Tok with his shield, the uh, said shield will glow golden light that extends uh, about twice as far as the, the normal shield does, thus preventing the claws from, from making it to Tok. Second claw attack. 17. Nope. Bounces off. And now the mandible attack. 18. Bounces off as well. Oh... So the mandible, having targeted Tok, launches a barrage of attacks, two with its claws and one with its foot-long mandibles. But the combination of Tick's defensive prowess and Tok's magically doubled shield prevent any damage from occurring. Very nicely done. Vanda. Oh, man. Uh... Well, suddenly you're thinking it's plan run away again, are you? <laughs> I was always thinking it was plan run away. That's you, why I you. distracted him so you could get away. <laughs> right, no talking from the peanut gallery, please. Banda. Uh, I'm going, and God knows, uh, changing plans rapidly. Vanda uh, is going to say, Disengage, you fools. And as he does that, if you imagine this, the scene from Jurassic Park where they try and get the Tyrannosaur to follow them, with the flares, Vander <laughs> is going to continue that and hold my action in the hopes that I can gain its attention. Okay, and the action will be held until what time? Until the creature goes for me. Benny. Benny is now even more baffled by what Vander is up to, but he has heard him shout, disengage. So Benny shouts, everyone, mark location of coach and casts fog. Ooh. on a location centering on the creature and with that i'm legging it stagecoach to the stagecoach okay harry's expression says that hasn't helped <laughs> but i did tell everyone to make sure they know where the stagecoach is before i did that benny shouts his wor words of warning and the rest of you see this thick soupy mist and fog suddenly appear billowing out on from the point where the umber hulk is mentally you all take note of which direction the stagecoach is. My goal is, my hope is that the creatures know where we've gone. Oh, but then when we start rolling. Back underground, it follows us. Luckily, though, there's a distraction. Oh, God, why can't we do teamwork? <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll know that I announced what I wanted the other people to do. Augustus, you're now completely blinded by this thick fog that's in front of you. But you do know, in your mind, the rough direction of the stagecoach. Now, this is where my lack of D&D knowledge is going to let me down. But it feels like what everyone's saying is we can't beat this thing in a fight. Um, the others aren't allowed to comment because it's your turn. So you can only react to the actions that they are doing. Well, that is what I have interpreted them as doing. Because they, no one seems to like my heroic attempt to defend them. I loved it. I mean, I complimented you, but, you know. Silence for the peanut gallery. <laughs> I basically, I guess I should try and run over to where Benny is. I'm going to go like this way and then down to here, basically. Okay, do I want to go, like Benny appears to have gone actually like half off the map. Do I want to do that? That would get you to the stagecoach. Okay, and then that's like battle over, you're out. Yeah. Hang on, let me just see if I've got a spell I can help the others with before I make them do it. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not going to leave the guys high and dry. So I, I'll, I will bless the remaining three fighters because um, that's something I can do to help them if they have to fight or throw saves and things. Um, I will stay just in picture and hope that that doesn't mean I'm the last fucking guy here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Augusta summons the god Tyr and blesses those remaining on the battlefield. The rest of you feel the kind of sense of warmth and protection from the god of courage. Back to the top of the round with Tark and Tyr. So are you saying that that one one of the party has told me to run away again and the other one has just imbued me with courage? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that you have been blessed by the god of courage, not necessarily imbued with courage. With courage, okay. <laughs> You've not been blessed with clarity, though. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly not been blessed with clarity. Oh, fuck's sake, what do we do? To give you an idea of what you're looking at at the moment... You're looking at fog. 
<laughs> it's like a mare. <laughs> the Upper Hulk is right in front of me. Presumably, I can see at least a vague outline of it, or is you it? You can see shapes moving in the in the fog. Like you would attack at disadvantage if you attacked it. Okay, in which case. I think discretion is the better part of valor here. I'm going to follow Benny's advice. Tok and Tick are going to uh, disengage in good order and retreat, walking backwards towards the um, the stagecoach with the swords out so that they're ready for an attack. Nice. Uh, Benny and Augustus, you see Tok and Tick just basically casually strolling out of the fog, carrying a glowing sword. Tok will again prepare some more pebble missiles um, and pass one to Tick. Okay. And now the Umber Hulk. Vanda, you hear a kind of rumbling of dirt as the Umber Hulk, by the sound of it, goes underground and reappears in front of you. If you have a hold an action or, re- or reaction or bonus action or whatever it was you held, now is the time to use it if you wish. So as the Umber Hulk rises up in front of Vanda, he casts Misty Step. Very nice. Vanda casts Misty Step and disappears from the spot in front of the Umber Hulk, reappearing in the driver's seat of the coach. Oh my god, he's actually got enough movement to do it as well. Okay, that's genius. With a bamf, Vanda disappears. Not that any of you can see it because of the thick fog, but you do see him suddenly appear in the driver's seat. All aboard, boys! The Umber Hulk is obviously now vaguely confused because the thing that it was going to attack is no longer there and there's a thick fog surrounding it so he doesn't know where the rest of you are which takes us back to Augustus Augustus charges (laughs) (laughs) you never know and so I'm giving him the option so everyone else is now on the cart on the stagecoach cart whatever is there anything that stops me throwing a dagger at this guy before moving to the stagecoach running out of daggers run out of daggers and you do it at disadvantage but technically no beautiful uh, please roll at disadvantage because you're basically just lobbing a dagger into the fog. Oh, so you don't you don't know that Vander isn't in there. I don't care about that. At disadvantage, that is nine. How your dexterity is pants, isn't it? I was like, surely he'll add like a plus six to that or something. He's a hero. So hang on, there's plus five for the weapon. I should also add the dexterity, should I? Oh, in which case, eight. Uh, Augustus, you throw a dagger into the fog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing else for you. <laughs> it swishes in a rather satisfying way. Um, and your movement? Uh, I'm going to get the F on the stagecoach. Okay, and with Augustus jumping on the stagecoach, Vanda, ready for the off? I am lashing the reins. Cool, animal handling check, please. Oh, this would be an interesting time to... Yeah, no, we're still in initiative, are we? You can guide him if you want. Yeah, Tok will guide the uh, Vanda and say, Vanda, we must leave now. Agreed. And Vanda rolls a 13. Oh, plus a 3, so he rolls a 16. With the crack of the reins, you guys are off into the City of the Dead. As you hurtle through the eerily silent city of the dead at speed, the towering buildings loom like silent sentinels, their stone facades marked by the ravages of time and decay. The abandoned structures, once grand and majestic, now stand as solemn witnesses to the passage of the ages. You navigate the narrow streets, the wind whistling through the forgotten alleys. The architecture is unmistakably dwarven, each building adorned with intricate carvings and imposing archways that tell tales of a bygone era. The facades are punctuated by ornate balconies and crumbling statues, some now worn beyond recognition. Despite the abandonment, the craftsmanship of the dwarven stonemasons is evident in every weathered detail. Can I have a survival check from Benny? 15 for Benny on survival. A d20 from Vanda. Vanda gets a 10. And an investigation check from Tok. Yeah, Tok gets a 9. Benny, please roll a d100. 75. Vanda, you're confident that you're heading in the right direction, but there's a large amount of debris covering the tracks every few yards, each time forcing you to stop the stagecoach to remove the obstacles before proceeding. Vanda is obviously slowing the stagecoach down now in order to get through the various rubble that presents itself in front of us. As we're clearing that, he turns to the group and says, We're alive, boys, and that's what counts. 
as you are removing debris from the tracks, scattered in among the rubbish of the abandoned city, Tok, you see a leaflet which has inscribed on it the copy of a writ. It reads, By order of the elders, all miners should report to the Northern Prospecting Drift immediately for urgent exploration of potential veins. There is a crudely drawn map of the city with a highlight region to the north. As you study the sheet, you can see the warehouses where you began and the empty street you are currently moving along. By your calculations, the highlighted region is approximately four days' travel from where you are. So, uh, Tuck will show that to the group. It is possible the Mithril Ore is in this location on the map. I've got to say, Tuck, oh, I'm planning on another four days down here. It would be more than four days to an exit, Benny. Really? Is that what everyone reckons? Four days? I would rather assume that travelling to the source of Tonk's discovery would almost certainly take us further in to the cave system rather than further out. Indeed, Panda, but the exit is blocked. The writ of sealing. It is also possible that in travelling to that location we may find the source of our troubles and potentially attain the spell that was offered to us. To summarize our situation, gentlemen, we have to go as deep as we possibly can into the cave, as far from the exit as we can, to the most dangerous part of the cave where we think there's some sort of monster or evil curse that causes living creatures to turn into zombies. Is that that the plan as I understand it? You've left the worst to last, Augustus. You're running low on knives. Also, we must fight the creature or destroy it. So we take Papa Ungamas's tale as true. I believe we can trust the words of Papa Ungamas. My concern lies more in the direction of whether we can survive the encounter that clearly lies before us. Very well. Well, if the group agrees on that, then whatever seems the most dangerous and least logical option, for example, going deeper into the cave and towards danger, is apparently our only option. Therefore, we must proceed. There are potential other options, Augustus. There are municipal buildings, army barracks. We may obtain magical items, weapons, to aid us in our quest. Quite right, Tog. Well, we must loot our way to the deep, dark dungeon, of course. Benny just mutters, like, four days. Who knows what's going to have happened above ground in another four days with airship and, and villagers. Is something particular concerning you, Benny? Well, who knows? Did they just chase us? Did they chase the villagers of Haven as well? Is as Magnus escaped? There's just so much stuff we don't know. And then going deeper into the dark. I quite agree, Benny. I would welcome the sun on my face, but... Unless anyone has a better option, it appears our only choice is to go as deep as the cave will go in search of the key that will unlock the door. Our situation is grim, it's true. But I agree, we must delve deeper in order to free ourselves. I used to used to get locked in the cellar when I'd misbehaved. This sort of reminds me of that. I can't say I like it much. Well, Benny, while I, as always, have great sympathy for the past troubles of yourself and the other members of this team. What none of us had in those situations was each other. So perhaps now we can attack our problems in a way that none of us could in the past. Banda approaches Benny and takes him quite seriously by the shoulder. You must remain calm, Benny. It's important for you particularly that you remain as calm as possible. There's a lot you still don't know about your future. I know, Vanda, but it's easy to say and, and tricky to do. But you're right. I know you're right. Vanda looks a little concerned, but leaves it there. Find yourself a comfortable seat on the stagecoach, Benny. The suspension and interior fittings are absolutely unparalleled. Vanda, can I please have a dexterity saving throw? Oh! Uh, oh dear. What was the strong shot of oh dear? Uh, it's a five. Um, as you're talking to Benny, trying to calm him down, there is a sudden electrical charge which bursts out from Benny into your hand, delivering three lightning damage to you. Benny, you, your head swims as the lightning bursts out of you, and for a moment, you black out, coming to a few seconds later. Oh, God. Benny, you appear to have suffered a malfunction. What? 
the shit was that? There was electrical discharge. From what? From where? Don't mind me, gentlemen, Vanda says as he sits up, still lightly smoking. We were talking and and then I was sitting down. I don't know. Precisely what I was afraid would happen, says Vanda irritably as he scrambles awkwardly to his feet, looking very unsteady. What do you mean precisely what you were afraid would happen? Like only solid food? I'm going to need a little bit more. Well, Benny, unfortunately, you have not received any training. And therefore, your powers as a Tyro, I suspect, are becoming overwhelming. What happened, Thunder? You struck me with lightning! Oh. Yes. Oh. Are you alright? I'll live. I'm sorry, obviously. Quite alright. But you must remain, at all costs, as calm as possible. Nothing to keep you calm like someone saying, remain calm at all costs, is there? Remain calm or everybody dies. May to see the squalid conditions, the mind-numbing darkness and the possibility of imminent death as a soothing sense of there being hope somewhere in the darkness. I am going to have a sit down in carriage and maybe try and get a bit of sleep. A fine idea. Augustus once again mentions the many merits of the carriage. As Benny retires to the stagecoach to get some rest, Vanda, suddenly a distant sound catches your attention. A low guttural moan that seems to seep from the very stones around you. It isn't long before the others hear it too. There is shifting as if movement is happening around you. I want to have a look at the terrain in front of us to assess the possibility about running the problem. I suspect the debris is going to make that difficult. Give me a arcana check, please. That is a 13. The moan sounded like it was coming from something of undead nature. You know that undead move relatively slowly in your experience, limited experience of the undead. So whatever it is that is moaning, you should probably be able to outrun. Okay, everybody. Stay calm, Benny. The undead have arrived, but I'm certain we can outrun them. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what are the least calming words that The undead have arrived. A minor blip. They sounded dwarven to me. An excellent observation. Help me with this rubble. Uh, can Augustus set, because Augustus can sense evil and undead and things. Can Augustus sense anything that can help us here? Ooh, yeah. If, we, if there's rubble to get out of the way, Tok, we'll go and do that whilst he's rather than waiting for him to, yeah. Tok, give me a strength check, please. Uh, and you can do it at advantage if Tick is helping. Yes. Uh, athletics. But uh, uh, Tok is going to guide Tick as how to move the rubble faster. Tick is really the, the powerhouse of this team, isn't he? I also feel like I've been muscled out. <laughs> I'm the least argumentative. <laughs> exactly. Gets on with everyone. He's got numbers and roles and things, but without any of the obvious personality flaws of the rest of us. 23 for strength today. At some speed and with some ease, Tick and Tok begin moving the debris off of the track. Augustus, after you are alerted by Vander to potential imminent danger, a strange smell begins to fill your nostrils as if something evil and undead is close by. As you open your senses to it, you can sense 16 undead creatures within 60 feet of you. Gentlemen, everyone back on the magnificent stagecoach. We need to go. Can you tell direction they're coming from? They are coming from the south. Let's go north. Vanda, animal handling check. Off we go then, nice and calmly. Nothing worrying us at all. Just a stroll into the dark, says Vanda, as he cracks the reins and undoubtedly rolls a superb 20. You said superb before you saw the result, didn't you? (laughs) That's because I've got so many divine powers. (laughs) (laughs) You crack the reins as behind you a flood, a veritable sea of undead creatures begin swarming out from every collapsed building. As Vander looks panically behind him, he says, Augustus, if you wouldn't mind just lowering those fine curtains, nothing to see out here. Augustus notices how fine the curtains are. The embroidery is beyond compare. 
Augustus, give me a perception check, please, while you're looking at the embroidery on the stagecoach curtains. You're about to find out just how fine they are. Is this like the nature check where you discover that the steamer hadn't been quite as nicely made as we first thought? <laughs> Arcana! Even Solder does. Eight. Have I percepted anything? As you're kind of making sure that the curtains are closed, trying to keep Benny calm as a tidal wave of undead zombie dwarves are chasing the cart while Vander rapidly cracks the reins. Your eyeline catches between the two curtains and out in the debris to the east of the coach you see Lenny the dog sniffing around. He looks back at you and then disappears behind a boulder. Oh God. Um, so I'm just checking my character sheet and um, I've got a spell called Augustus doesn't give a fuck about dogs. <laughs> That's level four, I think, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he was bored with it. <laughs> I cast that, shrug and shut the curtains. Vander, <laughs> you begin guiding the cart along the tracks at high speed. Behind you, the warm of zombie dwarves is not able to gain on you, but you can still see it. So massive is the number. You reach a pivot point where the tracks split in two directions, left or right. I've not got time to uh, get the candles, so I'm just going to go right. I'm also going to say back at uh, Tok, who's presumably riding at the back of the coach, Tok, do you have any explosives ready? I ask out of idle curiosity, not because there's any imminent need to use anything of that nature. Benny still has them though, right? That, that's a seriously awkward conversation. <laughs> Benny, I was wondering if I could trouble you for those explosives, just for safekeeping. Yeah, just just a minute, Vander. Augustus, you just made a weird face. Why did you make a weird face? I'm frightfully sorry, Benny. Sometimes I'm just overwhelmed by how well made this cart and its fittings are. You opened curtains, made a weird face and shut the curtain. It's a fine cart, explosives, please. Tok is going to reach down through the hole that the uh, Fedlock made and you'll hear a voice that he's saying, the explosives, Benny, time is of the essence. This isn't finished, Augustus, and I reach into my bag and grab the explosives to hand them to Tok. I mean, hang on, are you are you reading Lenny in my eyes? I'm not here? reading Lenny, you just did something weird. You did something weird, and I want to know what. I'll tell you what, let's let, let's settle this once and for all. Uh, Augustus, give me a deception check, and Benny, give me an insight check, please. But also, Tok is going to get those explosives to Vander as quickly as possible. That's fine, that's fine, we'll get to that. We're, we're going to slow time down a minute, okay. just to settle this inter-party dispute. Oh. I got a nine for insight. Uh, 11. Benny, despite noticing a rather odd look on Augustus's face, his denial of seeing anything strange is enough for you. And you hand the explosives to Tok, who quickly hands them to Vander. Vander passes them immediately back. Please make the largest bomb possible with these. Thank you, Tok. Tok will take one of his fuses, just put it straight in the little hole thing there. <laughs> say to Vander, like, the bomb has been prepared, Vander. Good, good. I say, uh, do you need hand with that, Tok? The old um, mage hand worked pretty well last time. Indeed, that would be more efficient. Can I have a Tinker's Tools check from Tok, a D100 from Vander, and Benny will come to you in a second. 19. So Tok rolled a, a natural one, uh, which gives him a, a grand total of, of eight with the Tinker's Tools. Uh, maybe Tick should have done this one. Benny, you have been alerted to the fact that the team needs explosives. And despite Vander's best efforts, there is something chasing you. you. You still don't know exactly what it is because no one is talking about it. And you are inside trying to get some rest. But you have offered to help. Is the bomb set? The bomb is set. Okay. Doc, I'm concerned about the architecture back there. It looks unsafe. Maybe let's <laughs> use the bomb to make sure that there's no danger left behind us for any other travellers. Give me a deception check. <laughs> Hang on, was the natural one for building the bomb? Yeah. Fuck. And Benny, give me a insight check, please. That is a, an 18 for deception. Five. <laughs> Sold it. Despite being mildly concerned that there is something chasing you, Vander's calming words reassure you. Can Augustus say, excuse me, Benny? And he climbs out through the door and up onto the roof and then sits himself next to Vander, even though everything else is going on. Vander, I, I feel rather bad. I, I lied to Benny. <laughs> I feel guilty. Not a perfect moment, Augustus. If you look behind us and try not to scream, you will see that we are being chased by a... And Vander leans in, a horde of zombies. Well, that's all very well, Vander, but I think 
I saw Lenny the dog out among the broken buildings. Have you any idea how that could be possible? You mean the buildings behind us which are now covered in zombies? Yes, yes, says Augustus, waving an aristocratic hand. I see. Well, that is unfortunate for young Lenny. I am afraid he may well be a zombie dog right now. I am also concerned about the bomb we are carrying in our stagecoach. Very well, Vander. I, I must admit I have a dislike of evil. And Augustus hauls himself up and gets up on top of the carriage, draws his sword and shouts, Light it up, Benny. Vander grabs uh, Augustus's leg as he does so. All costs keep Benny on. Well, perhaps he can channel some of his nervous energy into lighting up my fucking sword. Now he's a paladin as he turns back to the reins. At this point, Benny, you've obviously, like, <laughs> with Augustus's help, it has become clear that there is something happening. <laughs> Augustus is now asking you to light up his sword and it stood atop the stagecoach. Just for visibility, you understand. Blow them all to hell, talk. Before Benny sees. Vanda, <laughs> you refer to the undead pursuing the stagecoach, correct? You misspoke, Talk. Just throw the damn explosive. Can I have an athletics check, please, Talk? So that is a 22. Augustus and Vanda, you see Talk fastball the explosive <laughs> that he's created back into the sea of undead. It bounces once, bounces twice as the fuse reaches zero and it hits the ground and there is a small puff of smoke and nothing happens. Oh my God. Vanda, as you look forward, the rail tracks that you're on begin to twist and they come to a dead stop where they are broken. I take this moment to haul myself out of the carriage and up onto the roof and shout, can everyone stop mothering me? I can cope with things trying to kill me. I know where I stand with things trying to kill me. Can we just, you know, stop all this nonsense? What's going on? Benny, there is no time, Vanda. Can you launch a firebolt at the explosives? How many things can you cope with trying to kill you at once? I ask out of idle curiosity. <laughs> I don't know. What's the most that's ever tried to kill me in one go? Six or seven? Okay. Perhaps an order of magnitude higher than that-ish. Give or take. In our favour, it's difficult to count. Benny, you turn around after this brief conversation to see a literal army of undead creatures. We're, we're talking hundreds of them are pouring towards you as the cart begins to slow. Benny, I just saw Lenny among the buildings. And he winked at me a few days ago. What? Not now. Not now. In other news, the tracks we're on are about to end. Vanda, as the cart begins to slow, you see to the left a impressive looking building that is still relatively upstanding with metal doors, one which is slightly ajar. As you read the sign at the top, it says the Dark Bank. Oh, amazing. Boys, we're going to the bank. Which bank? I do not observe a river. The Dark Bank. That building there, that one, right there. Vanda is pointing with both hands. <laughs> okay, Tok will get down and help Vanda along to get to the dark back. As Augustus D. carts, he jumps off the front and attempts to slash the ropes, binding the horses to the carriage. Nice. Augustus, give me an athletic check, please. Fuck me. You slash, but... Uh... I cut off my remaining testicle. That is a natural one for four. The rest of you in the panic see Augustus heroically leaping off of the stagecoach, rapier drawn. He slashes down, cutting the ropes that keep the horses to the stagecoach before completely misjudging it and landing face first into the ground. Please take one bludgeoning damage. Augustus, caution. There is no river. Forget the river, Chuck. And the rest of you, as you are making your way into the dark bank, Benny is stood atop the stagecoach, staring back at the zombie horde, kind of mouth slightly open. There is a crackle of energy and a ball of fire bursts out of his chest and flies directly into the oncoming horde, exploding and wiping out about two dozen in one go. Benny, you fall to one knee on top of the stagecoach, but you are still conscious. Point of order. I had to go on the spreadsheet. 
<laughs> I mean, they have to. Right? Yeah. We're all going on the spreadsheet if we don't get out of this. <laughs> we're yeah, all going on the spreadsheet. Yeah, uh, we're um, all going under Benny's name, I think. <laughs> the kill list sees all. If everyone's just gone in the bank, Augustus is going to pick himself up, like stand up on the wheel or something, enough to get to get onto the top where Benny's kind of kneeling there and just drag him off towards the door. Sounds, sounds like quite a good plan to me. With Tok helping Fanta in through the, the big double doors, reinforced with metal as Augustus does the same for Benny, the four of you decamp into the dark bank. As you make your way into the dark bank, the horses bolt off in a northerly direction. Tok and Tick will both uh, shut the bolt, shut the doors behind us, bolt them if possible, and also inspect the doors for structural integrity to see if they'll hold. Give me an investigation check, please. Tok and Tick. Okay, that is a 21. Tok and Tick, you are able to reinforce the doors, lock them tight, and you put ballast in the way to stop anything kind of breaking through. As that happens, Vander removes his flintlock from his cloak. Everyone else, I suggest we search this place for undead. We don't want to find we have unwanted guests. Except for you, Benny. Calming breaths. No, no, you're right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I just, it was a bit of a surprise. Motes of fire often surprising. I meant the horde of zombies. That was, yeah. The firebolt was a surprise as well. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I've got it together. I'll be all right. Then get your bow and let's get to searching. Yep. Whilst they're busy chatting, Toc's going to get straight to checking for other like entrances to the building. I'm going to use your investigation check that you just did as part of your security thing. And in a second, I'm going to ask Vander to give me an investigation check at advantage because Augustus and Benny will be helping. Toc and Tick quickly, while the others are talking, begin to move around the lobby of the Dark Bank. There is a huge circular door to the back which is currently shut it has a wheel on it which you recognize as a vault there are no other windows in it and the only entrance you can find is the one that you have just barricaded there is a roof on top of this building as far as safety goes in the city of the dead this is about the most safe structure you have seen so far investigation check please vanda 24 yes. there's a chair in the room <laughs> this bank is not as well constructed as I initially supposed. Vanda, as you look around, um, a, a lot of the interior of the dark bank is covered with kind of strange vines and fungus. This has obviously been thousands of years, you know, since this has been used. Um, you spy a crack in behind this vegetation and fungus on the wall. There appears to be a patch of rough painting with swirls of purple behind the vegetation. I turn to the group. I imagine we have limited time before our guests find their way in here. It does strike me though that, having had dealings with the Dark Bank in the past, there's usually another way out. And with that, he starts pulling the vines back to see what's behind them. Is now the time to ask what the Dark Bank is? I've never heard of it. Fine financial institution given over to servicing those among us who require discretion. Query, what is finance? A good question for another day. Thanks for playing, Tok. As <laughs> as you respond to Tok, there is a sudden banging at the door which has been barricaded as the army of the dead have obviously reached you. Vanda, as you tear the vegetation away from the wall, you're met with a crude mural showing a caricatured elven character with long floppy ears and a very prominent jaw. This drawing shows the elf leading an army of skeletons and zombies towards a group of stoic-looking dwarves. There is some graffitied dwarvish scrawled across it which reads Alfra N. Vulner, which translates as Never Trust the Underdrow. I look at the mural and say to myself, How I wish you had been a door. And then I relay the dwarvish to the rest of the group. We'll check if it's locked. Can we open it? The vault does appear to be locked. I believe this road trip has become a bank heist. We must find a way into this safe, as I suspect there may be at least something of use, or even better, a way out. Well, let me take a look at it. It's it's a, it's a little beyond me usual by way of lock picking, but I might have picked up some tips that could help. 
and I'd like to have a look to see what I can uh, see what I can see as regards the mechanism. We're in your hands, Benny. Benny, can I please have a dexterity check with uh, your proficiency added? Uh, Tok will, of course, provide guidance. Uh, Tok give Benny some um, uh, acid, which I know is a thing you can use in lockpicking to help make everything a bit looser. You like chuck bands of acid in there, it dissolves a little bit of the mechanisms to help you work at, work at it. Benny, at 27. Whoa. Uh, Benny, you've never actually opened a door of this complexity, especially as it's dwarf and mink. That's not to say that you don't trust yourself to actually get it open, but it's going to take you some time and some quiet by the door to listen as you turn the wheel to make sure that it unlocks the mechanism. It's going to take you three hours of concentrated work. I can, I reckon I can do it, but I ain't going to be quick. Understood. Talk. what is your assessment of the door? Will it hold? As long as the undead do not bring siege engines, we should be safe. I think if the undead bring siege engines, it's time just to fucking lie down, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need um I'm gonna need some peace and quiet then, please. Of course, of course. Vanda, only too happy to create a situation of peace and quiet. <laughs> What's the ceiling like in here? The ceiling is relatively high, unusual for dwarven architecture, uh, and as as part of your incredible investigation check. Uh, it looks solid. Uh, you suspect it's probably been reinforced with metal girders as well as the standard stone masonry of the Dwarven people. We could, with time, break it down, but it would be the same thing as trying to break down a stone wall that's, you know, 12 feet in the air. That is correct. Cool. Let's wait for the door. Vander takes out the book that he got originally when Bellerophon was still with us and examines that in context to the mural to see if we can draw any connections in the story that's forming. I'm going to say that your intelligence is high enough that you can connect the figure mentioned within the diary, within the journal that you found, with the mural you have seen on the wall. To your mind, they are very obviously the same person and potentially the cause of all of the trouble and the army of the dead. Um, well, can Augustus just once again use his divine sense just to get a feel for I me mean, it feels kind of obvious but you know what's the scene outside like augustus you're you open yourself up the stench is overpowering and unbearable the, you know the undead these evil creatures are everywhere and as you open yourself up you can estimate that there are 85 to 90 creatures directly outside the door but obviously your range only goes so far augustus you look deep in thought I was wondering if you might have a notion of how many undead accost us. Quite a few. So the Winchester then. Tog will come and try and help um, Vander. Uh, we're he reading a book about uh, elves from what he knows. And uh, we'll say, um, if there is any elvish in the book, Vander, I will translate for you. Very kind, Tog. And Vander passes him the book and moves in the direction of Augustus. Augustus. Since we have a moment to speak, I was saddened to hear of your sister. I wasn't aware of your plight. I understand we already have a bargain in place of sorts, and that promises made in the face of almost certain death are rather cheap. But if it assists you, I will assist you in finding your sister again. I won't deny having a soft spot in my own heart for someone I care about a lot. Thank you, Vander. A little kindness in these darkest of corners is very much appreciated. And fear not for my sister. Aurora is a force of nature, if ever there was one. And indeed, it's crossed my mind more than once that my coming here might only result in her having to rescue me. That was always the way of it as children. So while we've not heard from her, I am far from giving her up as lost or beaten or dead. Uh, without looking up, uh, Tok, whilst reading the book, is just going to say, um, I met an elf called Aurora in Lanosil. An elf, Tok, called Aurora. Indeed. Certain, definitely an elf? A humanoid without facial hair, with fine features. Could be little elves. Possibly a human, Tok. She spoke in Elvish. She enjoyed riddles. 
I did not understand them all. Well, Tok, any of those things could certainly apply to Aurora. When did this meeting take place? Approximately two years previously. I can be more specific if you wish. Tok, Aurora left our shores a little over three years ago, so she and you may have crossed paths two years ago, it's possible. What else can you tell me of this this woman or this elf that you met? Tok will take this time to reiterate the poem that he read during the character introduction section, um, and she was a friend of Tick's. They knew each other. They talked often. My interactions were brief. And have you yet established a way to commune with Tick, to establish information that he knows? For example, information about how he knew this Aurora, where she had come from and potentially where she went? I regret communication has not been forthcoming. I will investigate. Investigations will require time and a workshop and test subjects. Very well, Tok. If we're to die in this bank, then all this matters little. If we should escape, then I hope you will be able to establish this connection with the Tick and find a little more information. We are currently in the Moonshadow Mountains. To the northeast is Roanoke, the province of Denothlia. Far to the east of Roanoke is the plains of Asmodeus. North of the plains of Asmodeus is the forest of Lanosil and the settlement of Landaloran. This is the location that I met the elf Aurora. Very well, Tok. I cannot imagine what Aurora would have been doing there, but her disappearance and the length of time that has passed defies any explanation I can provide, so I must be open to the possibility that she could be anywhere. And I call from the door. Is this what we're calling peace and quiet, is it? Apologies, Benny. I'm so very sorry to hear of your plight, Augustus. And Vanda reaches in for a hug. As he closes his awful arms around Augustus, he leans into his ear and says, Benny's a fucking time bomb. Keep him calm. And with Benny working on the locked vault door, while the army of the dead gather outside the dark bank, we'll end it there. Humans of Dice Company would like to thank the following sweethearts for their support. Richard Gordon, Rabbi Camel, Team Vander, Path Pursuit, Paris Pekar, Julia Zeno, Shovels, Mama Strange, Queenie, Liz Beckett, Axel Runholm, Shay Benton, Chris from North London. Thanks for listening, everyone. And now over to our Terran Cryer, Alex, for an update on the Dice Company universe. Okay, so we asked our friends on our various social media. So we're on Blue Sky, Twitter, slash X, and Threads. And we asked, if your TTRPG character dies, what will your last words be? Uh, So here are some examples. A couple of people said, erase my browser history. (laughs) Uh, The anti-hero on Twitter said, in theory, this should have worked. Uh, Tammy on Blue Sky said, this is totally safe. I've done it hundreds of times before. Uh, Hackdov on Twitter, I guess a four doesn't save. Uh, Ellis just says, see you soon. Kind of alarming. Creepy. Uh, On Blue Sky, the professional internet bum says, no tears, my friends. I'll be uploaded shortly, back in five. Uh, On Twitter, 8Ball Oracle says, I'm going to haunt you. Also on Twitter, Bracy Dramatic says, tell each of my ladies individually that they were my favourite. Uh, also on Twitter, Philip says, tell them that I punched a magma worm bra- back into the ground once. I want those to be my last words. Yeah. These were all this isn't in character, is it? Uh, is, there, is there a chance that our fans are infinitely more creative and funny than we are? Certainly that would appear to be the situation. Mm, I'm not sure a chance is the right expression. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible quirk of admin that we're doing this. And yet, um, here we are. <laughs> so on, on Blue Sky, Excaligator says, 
Uh, there's a homebrew item I like called Juice That Makes You Explode. It's a kamikaze potion that causes a ninth level fireball to immediately go off centered on you. If any of my characters go out, their last words should be an explosion. <laughs> okay, I also think that drink exists and is served in the bars of Edinburgh. I'm going to point that out. I've, I've drunk that. Yeah, I think I have. There definitely was a ninth level explosion, so that makes perfect sense. Uh, and also on Twitter, Crimson Philosophy said, Once I just gave a thumbs up and a smile to my party as I got ripped in half by a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> in fact, I think I know what my wish is going to be. My fucking coach and horses back out of here. Please, please use your wish to bring back the stagecoach and horses. Oh, no. It would be no. the biggest waste of a high-level spell I've ever seen, and I love it. If Augustus gets the chance to use the wish, that is what's happening. Talk and Tick will uh, will wrestle him to the ground so someone else can use the wish. And say, stop, stop, don't be ridiculous. A finer stagecoach. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.